Crimson Tower Studios. Welcome to the Old World Podcast, the unofficial podcast for Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay and the original podcast to bring you both discussion and actual play in 4th edition. I'm one of your hosts, Matt, and tonight I am joined by several folks who I love very dearly, and I mean, they might be corrupted by chaos, Lance almost certainly is, but uh, I'm joined tonight <laughs> by Lance and Steve. How are you folks doing tonight? Doing good. Doing good. Exactly. Yep. Doing great. Which chaos god? To... This is a here's a here's a breaker, an icebreaker for you. Like I wish they did this with new jobs. Like which chaos god do you most identify with? <laughs> oh, <laughs> Getting right to the point. <laughs> is that like? like uh, can I say Slanesh? Is that terrible? Or should I say <laughs> like like Zinch? I feel like Zinch is the safe bet. <laughs> I wonder if that's like an interview question in the old world. If somebody comes to apply for a job and they're like, what uh, chaos god do you identify with? And if they say anything, it's like check mark and they give that application to the witch hunter. Yeah. And, or the witch hunter is just in the next room, opens the door and shoots yes. you. Yep. <laughs> give any chaos next. markings on you? Um, <laughs> anything that identifies you with any cult gangs or... <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, so I guess... What kind of gaming have you guys been up to lately? I, uh, for some reason, pulled out my old Nintendo DS Lite, and mm. I've been playing through the Professor Layton games. Oh, yeah. Are you guys familiar with those at all? Yeah, I, yeah I've yeah, played them a little bit. They're like mind puzzly kind of games, right? Yes. Essentially, you play as Professor Layton and his sidekick, Luke, uh, and you, like, you're going around. Uh, there's four games that I own. Uh, Professor Layton in the Curious Village, the Diabolical Box, the Unwound Future, and the Last Spectre. And essentially, like, there's this big mystery or a bunch of these mysteries that you need to solve. And the way you do that is by, like, going around and solving little puzzles. Like, each game has, I want to say, at least, like, 150 or more little brain teaser puzzles that are, like, a variety of different things. And I've always been a big fan of brain teasers and stuff similar to that. So it... Uh, it's definitely a, a series of games that's up my alley. What about you, Steve? What you been up to? Well, um, game-wise, I think the only real game I've played recently was with you, Lance, with the Electric Council card game. Um, honestly, it's been a quick month of just work and uh, just dealing with my three-year-old daughter. Um, she's like the Energizer Bunny, man. Just keep Dude, going and going and going. For sure. Three, yeah, three yeah, years. Just, I want to point out, Ooh. I remember the the day that we got on the podcast and said, yes, yeah, Steve's not joining us. He just had a baby. Did, I, I, that was a thing. I can't believe oh, yeah. it's been that long already. All right. It just flew by. Um, anything else I've been into? Um, definitely getting into Airsoft. So I've been buying my equipment. Um, I got a Tommy gun I'm trying to modify. So it's more like it's a little bit smaller, more handheld, easier to run with. <laughs> uh, so that's kind of like a hobby thing I'm doing right now. Other than that, uh, that you know, that's it. Not uh, not too much, not too little. Nice, <laughs> just right. You're like just, in the Goldilocks right. zone right now. <laughs> I, I haven't had, I really haven't had an opportunity to do much with uh, gaming. I 
I, uh, I've been prepping for fourth edition. We just played a fourth edition game, which was awesome. I really enjoyed, but I haven't, I'm just racking my brain. Wait, wait a second. No, I played, what did I play? I played that game that you recommended to me, Matt, an unexpected party. Is that what it was yeah. called? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's like based on the Hobbit. It's all about the party at the beginning where all the dwarves are coming to the party and I'll let you talk about it. It's a really unique game though. It really is. Um, man, I, I got my wife and I don't think she was in much of a gaming mood when we played it, which is probably a mistake on my part, but I wanted to play it so badly. I did anyway, but it was, it was good. It, it's just a, I am a huge Lord of the Ring fan. Uh, the Lords of the Ring, Lord of the Rings is uh, legit. I, I don't know how, what else to say. It's, it's classic. It's like everything that's like, in our current fantasy genre, like has its roots there. And it's, it's good. The books are good. The one ring role-playing game. I, I have all of the books for that. The new edition. I think I got the starter set and all that for that on its way. So I, I, I'm a big fan of Lord of the Rings. And so when this when Matt gives like a high praise on a game, it's automatically something I go look up anyway. But the fact that it was high praise and Lord of the Rings based, I liked, I just straight up and bought it like literally while he was talking about it. So, well, I knew I, a, I knew it was a fun game, but B, I knew that again, like you just said, man, it's, it's your, uh, a theme that's really going to land for you. So yeah. a cup of tea. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And it's that it's one of those games where the theme is built around, like you're, you're not going to slap this game with a different theme. It will not work. Yeah, um, it'd be tough because you have yeah. to like move around and collect the items that they talk about in the song. And it, you basically every your goal in it is to go around and sing as many parts to the song as possible. Uh, what are what are some of them? It's like you, blunt you the know. knives and bend the forks, you know. So you have to like, yeah, you have to have the fork item and then you have to go into the right location and sing that part. And that's how you earn victory points. And you're trying to like. It has a, a an element of a game, uh, the game Small World, where like you want to use, you have a dwarf that you're playing as, but eventually it gets to the point where it's it would be risky to do anything else. Like you run the risk of pissing off uh, Frodo. Uh, so at some Bilbo. point you have to like, or Bilbo, you have to just get rid of that dwarf, let them go and sit down, and then take on the next one that, or one of the next ones that's coming into the house. So like you want to push as long as you can with the characters you have, but then grab another one and they have different elements that play off each other and uh, scoring bonuses and things. But it, uh, yeah, just a super unique game. I mean, think about how many games are like, oh, this one's about space combat or this one's about trading resources. How often can you say that you're playing a game where you're singing through the song at the beginning of the Lord of the Rings? Like, yeah, it's just yeah. super neat. Like who, who even sat down and was like I I'm gonna watch the movie and you know what this part here like a game. can be a game. Yeah. No I I, I, <laughs> I wouldn't even know where to start with the rules man. I put that That'd song be like... on repeat behind me. <laughs> oh, yeah. My wife only lasted ten minutes before she told me to shut it off, but I could have nice. listened the whole time. <laughs> well <laughs> I I will say this now that seems like a perfect game to bring to Gen Con mm. which we will be at all four days this year. Well, Super yes. exciting. Yes. We are going. So please be on the lookout for us. Uh, I guarantee at least one of our group will have some sort of old world podcast identifying attire on them at some point. Uh, feel free to walk up to us, say, hey, we'd love to chat. We love 
I, I can tell you without a doubt, we love chatting about games. We love chatting about well, Warhammer. We love chatting about absolutely. games that are about Warhammer. And so I think we're gonna have one day where we dress as our characters. So Deekmir. Just have to walk around on my knees all day. Yeah. How's that gonna work? We'll pretend like those are your legs, like the little wheels. Though, <laughs> man, I bet you we could find you a mace, a, a war mace I, at Gen Con. I almost think that it, I I would be better off going as Heinrich, but I don't want to carry all your guys' crap the whole time. So. <laughs> I'll be sitting on the chair on your back. Yeah, yes, <laughs> that would be awesome. We're, that would we're be going awesome. all the way. <laughs> I would have um, you open all my pops. <laughs> yep, Heinrich, open oh, this. Man. Carrying extra <laughs> sets of clothes for Steve the whole time. Nice. Yeah. I uh, uh, but no, seriously, if, robes. Uh, we're going to be there. We'd love to see you folks. We'd love to talk to you. Uh, come up and see us. We may have something special that we'll give to you just as uh, a thanks for being a listener. Absolutely. On tonight's show, uh, we are going to talk about the enemy within. Um, we are going to draw reverence as we both honor and discuss this significant milestone, the completion of Wolfrup's fourth edition director's cut of the enemy within. The Enemy Within is known as one of the finest campaigns to be created for any RPG in history. Many best-of lists for campaigns include The Enemy Within at or near the top, and its various iterations over the years have drawn many a gamer into the grim, dark, and corrupted world that is Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay. In tonight's episode, we all are going to sit around a warm hearth in the depths of winter and discuss the epic accomplishment of a 10 book release for the enemy within for Wolfrop fourth edition. We plan to do a general overview of all the books. And we also intend to provide you with a bit of a buying guide. Uh, the companion books especially have use outside of the campaign itself. And we'll tell you what you might want to buy as a GM or a player. So old worlders find a warm blanket and a glass of wine. Set yourself beside the fire and reminisce on fond memories of adventures. For tonight, we honor one of the greatest role-playing campaigns ever written and discuss its legacy on this episode of the Old World Podcast. Nice. The Enemy Within, a legacy revisited. So this is a big deal. Like Lance was saying, this campaign is, is one of the greatest that's ever been put out. So it's, you know, it's the testimony of that is 30 years later, like for like an anniversary, um, they decided to come back out with it for a new audience in general. But Cubicle 7 took the helm and, uh, of course, they got Graham Davis along on board. Mm -hmm. Um, He wasn't charged with a lot of like the Grognars, you know, where like if you played it before, you may not want to play it the same way because you might obviously know what occurs gave you options to kind of sidetrack. So that was a, a, a new feature. In Keeping it fresh. Exactly. Exactly. So I'm sure you guys remember Gen Con 2018. We're there as our first time going to Gen Con together. And we went to the Cubicle 7 booth. We got to meet Graham Davis for the first time. And I remember how excited he was about this. I don't not even sure if it was announced yet at this point, or maybe maybe it was announced, but there was very little information on it. And right, he... I yeah, I, I I remember him saying like right right like he can't say too much at the moment, yeah, right? But things are works. Yeah, I remember at that point things like we're going to talk about like travel rules on the roads of the empire was like 
things that you didn't say out loud. Like it was all nobody knew what was going to be in them yet. So yeah, that was legit. But they they went a whole unique way from the old enemy within. Yeah, this is the director's cut. Director's cut. So overall, we're looking at uh, over the years they came out ten books, of course, um, that they did that they redid. Yeah, you had five adventure books, and of course, with each adventure book would come with a companion book. And the adventure books, uh, just to kind of list them off, uh, the first three books, Enemy and Shadows, Death on the Reich, Power Behind the Throne, are are pretty much updated re- rewrites of the original. And when it kind of sidetracks, is like the last two books were pretty completely new, uh, where even the title was different. So like something rotten in Kislev became Empire and Runes. And of course, uh, they came out with the Horned Rat and the Empire in Runes. With the companion books, like I said, each one came with one. And th- this is where we got a bunch of the extra rules, extra NPCs, side quests, guest commentaries, GM yeah. advice, new careers. Like those, that's what those books were for. And and you know, even though I didn't do the campaign yet, you know, it's one of the things that you know on my bucket list. Right. Agreed. Uh, the companion books were just excellent reads, just just for gaming in general. You know, if you're into it. Early on there, we had no idea what to expect when it came to the companion books, right? They, they said, this is going to be content that will support the campaign. You know, it's going to have extra stuff in it, but we didn't quite know to what degree, like what that meant or whether or not these books were going to be, you know, anything more than just standard campaign uh, books. So it was definitely exciting. Right. We finally well, started seeing those in, in the flesh, if you will. Yeah, so let's let's talk about let's talk about all the books in, individually, kind of what's in there, what to expect from a high level. I do want to point out before we jump into the books individually that um, several of these books we have done reviews on on the podcast. Um, so uh, go back there. I know we've talked about the Enemy in Shadows Companion at length. I know we've talked about Death on the Reich and Death on the Reich Companion at length. Um, and uh, those ones for sure. Some of the other ones we didn't do specific episodes on so we'll talk a little bit more about those books too but just so you're aware if you're looking for something more in depth on these books we do have a few episodes where you talk about some of these releases yeah i know sometimes we we did like a multiple product review and we put those in there and a lot of times that was because and some of these as we're about to talk about the the books were they had enough in them to fill a full episode that wasn't always the case with these but let's go ahead and get started first talking about the Enemy in Shadows adventure book. So obviously this was the first book that came out. This is what gave us our first real look at what to expect from these books. Uh, Steve, you already mentioned the Grognard boxes, which are there designed for to give GMs options for how to change the story if their players had already experienced it, which was a great addition. Um, and I'm sure that led to a lot of interesting circumstances and interesting situations for players to be in. And it, it ups the replay value, replay value of this too, right? Oh, for sure. Just because I've GM'd this doesn't mean I can't enjoy it as a player. Yep. You know, yeah. talk to your Absolutely. GM. Here's what happened in my campaign, right? And then now your GM has the tools necessary. And I mean, these Grognar boxes are aren't just an enemy in shadows. They're in every single adventure book, and oh, yeah. you know, throughout the entire throughout the entire campaign. Yeah. Yep. So the first book, Enemy in Shadows, is an update of the original. Uh, it includes some of the elements from Shadows over Bogenhofen. 
And this one clocks in at 159 pages. Um, as we're going, I think with the adventure books, we're not going to talk a whole lot about the story because we want to avoid spoilers. And uh, there's, again, there's really not like a whole lot to talk about. We know that the campaign is excellent, uh, but we want to look more at what else is in these books and how you can utilize them as a GM or as a player. So in the Enemy in Shadows, the, f- the first appendix is absolutely huge. And I think this set, set a pretty high expectation for yeah, what really to expect did. out of these books. The first appendix is a guide to Bogenhofen, and it is almost a third of the book is this first appendix. Honestly, I compare it to, think like the guide to Ubersreich that's in the... Yes, uh, yes. Yeah, in the starter set or... You know, it's not nearly as big uh, or as substantial as like our, the Middenheim book or the Altdorf book, but there's a lot in here. We've got it's the uh, same stuff about concept, the cults. Though. Yeah, it is the same concept. Yep. So we we get information about the cults, about different locations. There's some NPCs, all sorts of information that's in here, and it's one of those circumstances where, man, if I had any desire to run a game in Bogenhofen, I this is on there. This would be on my list of things to get. There's disco- whole sections that are about the different temples, about the guilds, you know, merchant guilds, the town halls. It doesn't have the artwork that we've gotten in the, in the uh, more current like location supplements. We don't have the big maps. We don't have like the zoomed in locations. But there so is, different. There is a, a map of Bogenhofen in the book. It's just not yes. broken down like yeah, some of the, even, yeah. Even has the uh, the timeline like we uh, you know come to expect in those other ones. So yeah. this this is almost like a, a 1.0 look at what that style ended up becoming. Yeah. So and and out of all the adventure books, this is the one with potentially the most content in the adventure book that you could easily like have ripped out, put in a PDF, and sold separately. Yep. Like I I think I would go as far as to say there's no in my mind at least there is no question that this has this first book, the adventure book has a ton of content. There are other appendices in here as well. There's one that has uh, suggestions on how to build your own NPCs with things like just like tips and tricks. One thing that I love in here, and this is such a simple thing, but it's really neat. There's a a table in here that breaks down all of the different accents for the different areas. And like, obviously that's not going to be for everyone, but giving you like an idea of how to just tweak your voice a little bit to, to give uh, those different locations their own unique sound is really, really quite interesting. Um, there are some new diseases. There's new creature traits, um, as well as a ton of handouts. There's the entire Imperial calendar is in here. It's as far as the adventure books go, it really, it has a lot of content that I think is really could come in handy for pretty much anyone. Agreed. And that's just the first book. That's the first book. <laughs> so I know we were so excited when the Enemy in Shadows companion book came out because, again, we didn't really know what to expect. Uh, and this really set the bar high. very high, in my opinion. Very high. Maybe too high. Yeah. Well, because yeah, we'll talk about it. But we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll get to yeah. that. But there's, <laughs> there's so much in this book, so much good information. There's a, a forwarder in here uh, from Graham Davis, uh, guest commentaries, you know, there's adventure hooks all throughout a whole section that talks about the Easter eggs with interesting names that they pulled from like pop culture and movies mm-hmm. and 
just fun things to go through. Uh, obviously, that's not going to be anything that's really going to you know convince people to buy the book to read about the Easter eggs. But it's nice that it's in there. It's a fun little thing. Um, the first part talks about the like the empire roads and highways, the provinces, the duchies, um, different towns running the empire. And through all this, there's adventure hooks every step of the way. Some of the different chapters in this book that I think are really helpful, the roads and highways one is really interesting. Talks about the differences between major minor roads, talks about different inns, like what, you know, how they are going to differ from each other from like a coaching inn and a regular inn. There's an absolute ridiculously awesome piece of art on page 21 that's this giant like it's a a dwelling of some sort but it's got to be like 50 stories tall and it's like mechanical and not sure exactly what it is but it looks awesome now now you got me pulling out my book to go look at it really quick oh yeah yeah it's like there's like steam and fire and stuff coming out of it it just it's a really has a really good look it's it's so warhammer like it's super warhammer yeah Yeah. (laughs) So there's a whole section in here about mounts and animals, um, war horses, draft animals, uh, their cost, availability, movement rates. I mean, there's so much in here that I think could really benefit any any GM, especially. There's a mishap table, things about your vehicle becoming broken or damaged, going out of control, crashing, combat, specifically attacking quadrupeds. So if you're fighting somebody that's on a horse, now, instead of just having the normal, you know, left arm, right arm, you have front left leg, right back leg, body, head. It's all in there uh, and really something that definitely could be added in. Uh, and we're not even halfway through this book yet. There's a whole <laughs> section in here about travel rules with weather being a huge factor, depending on the season you roll on a table. Yeah. You know, there might be it might be dry. It might be a downpour. There might be snow, a blizzard. New endeavors, special encounters, coincidental encounters, harmful encounters. I mean, it's even even new diseases, right? They have like catch a cold, <laughs> get pneumonia. Yep. Like those are rule. I mean, all of this in a companion book for a campaign. Yep. Like this almost seems like stuff mm-hmm. that you could have made a whole supplement just on oh, this, ab- right? Absolutely, absolutely. Right. I think obviously we'll talk about this as we go. Because of everything I'm saying now, this it should be pretty clear that this is one of the books that is is worth it to have, especially as a GM. The part that really ties into The Enemy in Shadows is Chapter 7, which is All Roads Lead to Bogenhofen. And this is just a bunch of extra information, NPCs, story notes that are all going to tie into the adventure as you're playing through. Uh, and that's, I would say that's, Maybe not the bulk of the book, but there's a a significant portion of it that's right in there. There's a section on mutants of the Empire, including a mutation chart, which is super cool. And this is multiple pages that talks about depending on the... (laughs) Yep. I want to say it's like three pages or even more. No, four, six. It's six pages of tables that are all about... You're rolling on it to get the different like body body mutations, the type of head that you have, mental mutations, and it's broken down for the different gods with effects and descriptions. It's, I mean, if you were going to do a, have a mutation or a mutant in your game, there's no question that that's, would be something that's useful. Huge section here all about the purple hand. That's one thing that kind of carries through in a lot of the books. 
the companion books, especially, there's different information about the various cults, the locations that you're in. Um, we got our first, and I believe this was the very first, correct me if I'm wrong, the very first new career that we got is the cult Magus of Zinch. I think it was, yes, because when we we actually did an episode where we, we literally, the cult Magnus was one of the, we did a career episode on it, yeah, and yeah. when we did it, it was like the only one outside of the core book at the time, Yeah, which is no which longer is, the case. But Oh, correct, yeah. So a lot of information here, including new spells of Zinch, uh, chaos spells that are, I mean, they're chaos spells, so they're going to be brutal and wicked. Yeah. There's just a lot. There's new creatures in here, uh, horrors of Zinch. There's the um, chaos furies. And gosh, what more is there to say? Like this book has a lot. And unlike some of the other companion books that are, in my opinion, are very focused on the story that you're already building in the enemy in shadows throughout the enemy within this one has so much content that can be used outside of that. Uh, there's also two sections towards the end or like little minor adventures uh, titled On the Road, The Affair of the Hidden Jewel, and The Pandemonium Carnival, which I, I honestly feel like it be, wouldn't be too difficult to just build those into you know, your own story. Uh, and the last thing I'll bring up on this book is there are multiple pregens at the very end of the book, which are those part of just the PDF or no? No, no. They let me. Double check. I got the the actual physical book here. I'm pretty sure they're in the in here. No, yeah, they're in the printed book as well. Okay. But one thing to note: these were these are the original. So when the 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 enemy within came out for the first edition, they had pre generated characters. These are those characters. They just updated them for fourth edition. Got it. Very so, cool. Which is which is super cool. And I'm I'm actually just looking at this. Even the inside cover of this has like some cool artwork and vehicles of the Empire. Yeah. So at the end there are the six pre-gen characters. We've got an herb gatherer, apprentice artisan, wizard's apprentice, boat hand, busker, prowler, and that's it. Uh, but just like with the the pre-gens that we get in the starter set, this has a full character sheet. It's got the artwork, it's got personality and appearance, background information, and of course, one of the things we like the most are the secrets that come along with those pregens as well. So as a whole, the Enemy in Shadows Companion, uh, like we said before, really set the bar super high as far as what our expectations were for those books. I remember distinctly after reading through that, all of us talked about how excited we were for the next companion, not so much the uh, adventure book, because we kind of knew what to expect with those a little bit, but Man, the the companions, this this set that bar extremely high. Yeah, and and to kick it off, that's the dark times when the dark times happened. <laughs> yes, we, we call it so. Like in between the release of, I don't remember if it was after Death on the Right, but before the Death on the Right companion, or I if think it, that was the case. Yeah, so I think the Death on the Right came out, and then there's this big, huge gap of time where Cubicle Seven was in the middle of moving or in COVID and pan and everything. Everything was up in the air, and we didn't know. We didn't hear anything for months and months and months. And so to like get this awesome book and then just be salivating for the next one, that was particularly rough. I remember that time. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it'll be out soon. 
any minute now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Minute. it's got to be next week, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, exactly. next week. One more week. Okay, okay. One more week. Like, this yeah. is awkward. We're talking about it for on the second episode. Um, we're still waiting for it. <laughs> but yeah, but, uh, well, I, luckily we can say here we are. All right. of them have been released. We're yeah. good now, but uh, that definitely was uh, kind of a struggle. After that hill, they just started pouring in where we were yeah. just shocked. Once they got uh, over that hump, it was a big change. <laughs> so the second book was Death on the Reich. Of course, it had the adventure book and the companion. The Death on the Reich adventure book, of course, was a revision update of the original Death on the Reich. Uh, clocked in at 152 pages. Had some new miracles of Sigmar, uh, the penances, it mentors and training. And, of course, you know, I had plenty of player handouts and maps. This is uh, the companion that came with it is one of my favorites. Before, Steve, if you don't mind, I'm sorry to interrupt. Before you move on to the companion, I did want to point out this Miracle of Sigmar just in an adventure book like this was super random. And I had forgotten it was there until I went back to prep these show notes. Um, So it's just if you have a Sigmarite uh, priest or something, hey, there's a miracle you can go buy. It's in this book. Not that that would be the only reason you buy it, but just as an FYI. But one thing I want to point out, the extra content outside of the adventure, like these books for the adventure are great. They have tons of information, lots of Grognar boxes. Maps, NPCs. Maps, NPCs, everything you need to run an awesome, huge campaign with tons of adventure. But like when you look at the Death on the Reich adventure book and you compare it to the adventure book for The Enemy in Shadows... Like Matt said, the Enemy in Shadows like had a third of the book dedicated to like source material for a specific city that you could use completely outside of the campaign. This is much more focused on the campaign, and you're going to see that trend continue on for the rest yeah. of the adventure books. There's very Which, little right. extra content in these adventure books moving forward. Yeah, that's not a bad thing necessarily. No, not at all. Um, it's but it's different. I I wanted it, to point it is it out. different. Yeah. That the appendices in this is, it's only a, uh, there's really only one, and it's all about um, training and mentors. It's like one page, too, and it's it's an interesting optional rule that me, personally, I doubt I would ever use. Not that it's not cool, and it's good to have. Yeah, it's, it's, um, well, I, I, I mean, definitely there, there is that trend um, where there's less additional extra, extra material in the adventure books. Right. Uh, but definitely they did slide a lot of stuff into the companion. Oh yeah, they did. Um, <laughs> and it's just, like I said, this was, I believe my favorite one. Um, it clocked in 119 pages. Um, it listed herbs from the old world and their uses. Um, cause those my... herbs are also can be used in magic as well. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Depending on the herb and everything. Yeah. I'll make the point here that this section of the herbs and their uses in this book takes the herbalist as an optional career for me from cool to amazing. Agreed. Yeah. It is It is a substantial section of the book. I want to say it's got to be close to about 20 pages or so. Actually, like maybe, I think it's only maybe like 10, 15. 10. Yeah, it's not that big. They're just, they, they cram a lot of content into those 10 pages. Yep. And one thing I like, and... Cubicle 7 has done this in a couple other books as well, but they make it this an interesting read, not just because of the information that's in here, but the herbalist that like they show on the very first page where it talks about it. She is in here throughout giving you little like stories about 
the different bombs that can be made and different, you know, circumstance that came up when, you know, somebody was doing something with grave root. Uh, so it's really, it's quite fascinating. And yeah. Lance, like you said, it, it, there's a lot that can be used in here if you are playing as an herbalist. Absolutely. It definitely opens up that culture, subculture, where you could be vital, you know, in a, cer- in a certain group. Um, I do like how they list all the herbs of the empire and how and how much they cost. Yes, all in one big chart. Yeah, uh, their scarcity, their season to find them. Yeah, because there's there an is endeavor. an endeavor, or, right, yep. to find them. So that was great. Um, they had deleted scenes from the original Death on the Reich adventure. That's interesting that they threw that in there. You know, they're like, ah, it's time to change, but if you want to read it, there it is. Yeah, I remember um, I remember Graham Davis talking about that. It was like, well, we had to cut some stuff out, but I was able to get it into the campaign, uh, companion. So that's cool. <laughs> this uh, companion talks about the Empire's Rivers, um, huge important part of the Empire. It has like a little kind of map of like a lot gatekeeper's house, so you can kind of kind of see what you would experience mm-hmm. in the old world, uh, traveling and we, kind of what they do. Um, another big thing, and uh, this entire book was so cool because we had never done an adventure on the river, and we were so stoked for this book because we're like, we want to get on the river with a boat. Yeah. So they got the navigation rules, and they go in-depth. I mean, if you really want to go in-depth with boating, uh, they they lay it all out here. Um, yeah, almost almost too much for the average player. Like, there's a whole table that's about the wind, the direction, how, you know, it'll affect the, your percentage of your, the mm-hmm. distance you can travel, which is really neat. And again, you know, like you said, if you're going to be on the river, there's really no question how useful this book would be. Yeah. This, if we haven't already let this out of the bag and we have a whole episode about this book where we're very stoked and go through it in details, but like if you're going to do anything on the river in this system, this probably has stuff you want. Yeah, this is kind of the book to get. Um, they got a, a section on the Imperial River Patrol, kind of history bases, so on and so forth. I believe uh, I, I remember talking about that because their main picture on the front is of a mutant with an axe in his head. And he's just like not even noticing the fact that there's an axe embedded in his head. Um, it's just storage. I did, really <laughs> did want to talk real quick about. So right before the Imperial River Patrol section, there's a two-page layout that is uh, several boats of the riverboats of the Empire. Yeah. And I think this was a moment where maybe we kind of built it up too much in our heads. We expected that there'd be like a whole chapter on the different boats and the different, you know, where you can get them and their pros and cons with like big tables and charts and things. But realistically, it's really only just these two pages. Uh, there's line artwork for each of the five different boats. There is a small table that kind of goes over its cost, availability, you know, toughness, wounds, things like that. The information's there, but I, if I'm being honest, that those two pages were pretty underwhelming when we first got our hands on this book. And that might be, uh, you know, shame on us for expecting too much, but. Yeah, there's, especially there are several places later on where it, talks about different kinds of boats passenger boats and and different like uh engineering boats and marvels and things so it's it's i mean it covers you for mostly what you would need but 
Yeah, it gives you t the type of boats yeah. here, and and and, yeah. and then later on what you can kind of do with them. So there's some sections where kind of pre-built NPCs, uh, the ones you might find along the river. Uh, they talk right. about the Cepha Forest Service, which I think is cool. It's kind of like the the old world. It's kind of like uh, signal internet. towers. <laughs> yeah, <internet>. <laughs> <laughs> like instead of taking a week or a day, you you get a message in like an hour, you know, between Altdorf and like Nome or something along. Yeah, that. I, believe, I believe those Super were the places. This next part here is, is is was very cool to read. Uh, it definitely would take some time to get the gold needed to deck out your boat. But the chapter is called Deck It Out, and you can just add armor plating, smoothing, broad rudder, or a cannon, armored walls. I mean, if, if you find a way to do the trading right, and you really like, like, like your group's all about, you know, getting a better boat and trading and getting money and gold and decking out your boat, this chapter just lays it all out. I feel like <laughs> this chapter, it, when you combine the boats that they gave us previously in this book with this chapter, it brings it up to that level where, you know, you've got, there's a lot of options in here and just reading through some of the different weapons that you can get adding superstructures to your boat. Like it's, th this is really cool. And again, it really hammers home how useful it would be for anyone that spends time on the river. Right. Absolutely. And since you're boating, may as well kind of do some trading along the the waterways. Uh, they have a whole chapter on the trading rules. You know, I, I think the only bad part I heard from uh, this chapter is that some groups never leave the trading of the river. Yeah. You can just make so much money if you want to. So it's pretty cool. Oh, one thing in the chapter that, that is, is interesting is that it actually gives uh, kind of the population sizes – of different settlements of the empire yeah and their populations you know and uh their their producers be warned this is a very controversial topic among grognards yeah. like what the population of imperial cities actually is i've read right. more threads on that than maybe anything else but I, what do they call it yeah. they call it a, a gazette here or something like that and yep yeah yeah, and uh, something I notice is there's there's a gazette here here which is kind of focused on the Reichland, but there's a there's one for Midden Middenland in the Middenheim book too, which I kind of forgot about again until I was doing some research the other day. So they uh pretty cool. Uh, hopefully we'll continue to see gazetteers in various books. Absolutely, um, they talk about wreckers, smugglers, and pirates. Um, you have a river beastry and yeah, some of these creatures you don't mm. want to meet. Um, just the wrecker, wrecker smugglers and pirates section is great too. If you are looking for just a badass NPC that you want to be pirate, like there's some great ones in here. Yeah. yeah with a shark head as a hat. Yeah. That's good stuff. <laughs> that make a great mini. <laughs> yes, it would. Um, one of our favorite things, uh, waterborne diseases. That's Ooh. always a favorite to read. <laughs> if you thought the diseases uh, were bad in the core book, man, these waterborne ones are, oh, avity worms. Oh, I can't. Uh, oh, uh. <laughs> yeah. I remember Lance, I'm pretty sure you and I met up at a Applebee's to go through this book together. And you started laughing so maniacally when you got to that portion of the book <laughs> that I think our waitress like came over and was like, can you gentlemen, please stop doing what you're doing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
because you were just uh, that excited. I, I'm not going to lie. So our actual play isn't here yet for that's been released, but our, our, our actual play, the actual adventure, we're on the river now. And man, I get so excited when any opportunity occurs for someone to fall in the water. Like, what? It's like a, it's like a given. You got a disease. It's a virus. It's serious. Just get ready for that endurance check. That's all I gotta. Yep. That's all I gotta say. Um, this adventure book does have a chapter on the Red Crown. Um, it's like another group for Zinch, and uh, this one does have the Warrior of Zinch career. So another career. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Which, to be clear, this both this one and the End Parent Shadows one, uh, the Cult Magus, technically aren't designed to be like player careers normally. Yeah. You you can't. They're not. They they're no no rules built into like roll one of these up. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. but you could in certain circumstances. In fact, on our Patreon, we do a short one shot where we run the the old world adventure. Oh shoot, I forget the name of it. That's going to bother me. Uh, Night of Blood? Night of Blood, yes. We played yeah. Night of Blood, and um, I had uh, two of my cousins, ran. they both ran Cult Magus. And so they were like the bad guys playing the bad guy adventure, and it was it was a lot of fun. So you can do it, but like just there's no – it's not currently built in a way to like where, hey, we're starting a new game. Let's roll up careers. Yeah. There's no way to roll these up. Yeah. yeah. There's also a few pages of uh, Zinch – spells more some, zinch spells some, some yes even some petty spells of zinch which i thought was really neat uh very very neat and some if i remember correctly was this the one where there's arcane chaos lore in here i believe so yeah so and that's for any chaos not just zinch that can be used so like again i mean so this is one of the ways where like these companion books are so cool and useful but like i also think like Man, depending on what you're wanting for a GM, like you have bits and pieces here and there that you got to go for. So that's the one downside. But really, they're meant to support the campaign that these books are about. So I also get it. So it's like it's a give and take. But yeah, there's some cool stuff in here. Yeah, I could definitely see these types of spells and uh, chaos careers in a different supplement where they go through all the chaos yeah, um, well, know, uh, and chaos focused supplement would be pretty right. badass. Yeah, Cubicle Seven is if they're not planning a chaos focused supplement, I don't know. They must not like money because <laughs> that will sell out. I guarantee it. To end the companion book, uh, they they talk about the Emperor Lutpold, and it's just kind of uh, like a tourist. Beautiful ship uh, that the rich or just if you want to go on a cruise, uh, this is a boat to go on. Um, it's famous. It's huge. I mean, you get servants. You, you can have a stateroom if you pay. But they just give it where they lay kind of some some of the crew where you could have like an, an adventure, you know, kind of like a whodunit type of deal on the cruise ship. It's interesting how they go through like a lot of the staff. And then the traveling companions, um, and it's just you know an adventure that you can have. And they even have like a diagram of the boat, and you're talking about like a five deck boat. It's huge. Yeah. And other than that, at the end, they also have another adventure uh, called Vengeance of the Grave Lord. Uh, if you want to do that, 
They really should call it Vengeance of the Grave Lord Part 1. Because it continues later on. So, But all in all, this was a heavy companion book. It went through a lot. If you're on the river, you need this one. Yeah. So, yeah. After, no two ways about that. after those two powerhouses and companion books, things shifted a little bit on what we expected for Power Behind the Throne. So let's get into Power Behind the Throne. So Power Behind the Throne um, is a revision of the original Power Behind the Throne, and it has always been... Um, people will, you'll see a lot of feedback on this is that there's so many NPCs. It's so heavy political intrigue. There's so much going on. It can be hard for even the GM to keep track of all of it. And so one of the big things they do is have, um, they add to the, the, uh, appendices in there, a big NPC summary sheets, which is a super great idea. I know we talked to Padraig about this. And I couldn't imagine trying to run this adventure without those. Um, it seems like a, a no-brainer. Uh, really, really good. But you have so you have a full 155 pages where you're talking about another adventure, part three of the campaign. But you have those NPC summary seats as an appendice. Um, stat blocks for doppelgangers, which is a which is a particular nasty uh, baddie. A new skill that you can get access to called hypnotism. And when you look at what that skill can do, it's absolutely with GM permission, and uh, you can understand why. But it's it's a, a new skill. Like, literally a skill. There's even rules like here are the careers that could have access to it if your GM decided to allow it. Experience point suggestions for the, the campaign. There's a master attraction character calendar. And then, of course, player handouts and maps like you expect with every single iteration of the uh, Enemy Within campaign. Now, the companion. I'm going to start out by saying the, the companion for Enemy in Shadows and the companion for Death on the Reich um, are very much like... Here's some extra NPCs. Here's some a couple extra adventures, and here's a bunch of extra rules that will help you with traveling and what you might encounter and bestiaries and a ton of stuff to help your GM and potentially players do stuff, spells and mutations, blah blah blah. The power behind the throne companion is a much different kind of beast. At hundred yep. at 123 pages, it starts out with a big section of this called the grass garden party this is essentially a scene that exists in the power behind the throne that in the companion they expand and you can do more with it make it bigger have more npcs have it more meaningful there's a lot in there and it's not a small section of the book um it then jumps right into a bunch of mini adventures they call them cameo adventures there's like one two three four five six if i got or oh no sorry I might have I might have counted that wrong, but there's a, a, a bunch. Uh, I think it's five or six in there. That's part of that, um, including they give you a stat block for Golfog, an ogre mercenary, which by the way is also in the appendice of this was as a character sheet. So uh, super super cool um, ogre for sure. But then so you basically have a bunch of mini adventures, and then we jump into a guide to the Jade Scepter cult. So so far every companion. Like, let's talk about this cult. Let's give you a bunch of spells to go with it. Let's give you a career to go with it. You know, let's give you a bunch of information. You get most of that here with the Jade Scepter cult, except there's no career, which, you know, I admit that was the first thing I was looking for. Like, okay, with Jade Scepter, what kind of career do we get for this? Oh, uh, there yeah, wasn't anything there. We just there. assumed that we'd get a right. cult magus of Slanesh. We do get several pages on the lore of Slanesh, which is excellent. Yes. Again, with the petty spells and the uh, different chaos spells as well. 
Right. And so essentially, and that's another thing, we get a bunch of chaos spells with the enemy and shadows companion. They're all zinch based. And then the death on the right companion get a bunch more zinch, but also a bunch of generic arcane chaos stuff and petty spells. And then we get a lore slanesh. So, so slash focusing. So it's, it seems random, but it makes sense with the adventure. I want to explain that. Like it might seem like, Oh, well then where's our Nurgle stuff? Well, Nurgle wasn't prominently featured in this campaign. So, you know, that's why you didn't see it. But moving on with this book, Cult of Ulrich, a bunch of cool information for Ulrich rules and background for the Cult of Ulrich and additional Ulrichan miracles. Like there's an extra, I think, seven miracles. Seven. Yep, yeah, there are seven. And and so, man, and it to me, I, I, I sometimes struggle once I found out that Middenheim was getting its own book. Why wasn't this put in there? But again, this is meant to support what you're doing in the campaign. So this is some cool. I mean, if you're running an Ulrich and Priest or something, there's some good miracles in here. You should really look at this. Remember, I told you about a Gazetteer. I was wrong. I thought that Gazetteer was in the Middenheim book. It's not. It's in this companion. Expanded NPCs for Middenheim and Power Behind the Throne. Um, so a whole bunch of NPC stat blocks and information. There's a cool stat block on the Changeling, which if you know anything about the Changeling, this is each demon that causes all sorts of problems in the world. That's a pretty cool one. And then remember how I said there was a bunch of cameo mini adventures? Well, hey, we're not done with all the extra adventures. You get another adventure. You get the Ritual. And then Gravelord Part 2, Flying Death Skulls, which I just love that because there's flying dust skulls but there's also flying death ear skulls I, I love that anyway so i mean that's a companion and i when you really look at this this companion has less of like cool rules to support your characters and things that you could rip out of this campaign and use elsewhere it does have them for sure but it has a lot more here's a bunch of extra mini adventures that you can use along with the campaign or on your own so like a big part of this book is adventures and or direct supporting scene information like the garden party to help you on the power behind the throne or yeah. a bunch of NPCs, which are specifically designed to help you in the power behind the throne adventures. Yeah. I feel like this was the first of the, of the books, both the adventure book and the companion that kind of, kind of made that shift from something that was really uh, helpful and could be utilized in a lot of different settings. This one, outside of a couple little things, uh, definitely felt more like the focus here is on the power behind the throne, and that's just about all you're going to get here, which isn't a terrible thing. I mean, that's it's the companion book for that adventure, so it does make yeah. sense. But mm -hmm. I know I feel like we we didn't get uh, quite as much of that overall usability like we did in some of the previous supplements. That's a good way to say it. Overall usability um, for the campaign, it's incredibly useful. But if if you're buying this book and you never intend to run the campaign, I mean, we'll get more into this later. It's not as usable, I think, as the first two. So that brings us to the Horned Rat. <laughs> oh, sorry. Continue. So this book essentially replaces uh, something rotten in Kislev uh, as far as like this, the storyline and, and some of what's in there. Um, it's 152 pages. As always, there are tons of handouts, tons of maps. Uh, this one doesn't have any specific appendices in it. So the majority of what you're getting here is just the adventure, uh, along with a lot of stuff about Skaven 
And mm-hmm. that is going to be, and it's the horned rat. So that's obviously going to be something that we're going to experience a lot in here. Uh, Skaven NPCs, uh, utilizing warp stones, weapons, all sorts of different stuff about Skaven. Uh, however, does not have information on making a Skaven player character, which I think probably is obvious that that wasn't going to be in here. I think we'd hoped that it would be, but that's something we're just going to have to wait for. Uh, it's for another time. It's not directly in the companion. They include a couple of, how do I say like paragraphs or, or like sentences that talk about like, well, to make a grace seer use this career and that. And so it's like, it's like they're sort of saying like here, you could make some player characters by doing this, but it's, uh, it's obviously not really, it would require a lot of work on the part of your GM yeah. to make it. Yeah, work it's not. Right. It's not like a a couple pages where it, it mm-hmm. lays it all out for you. It's something that you've got to kind of work yeah. toward. But, yep. But again, a lot of lot of Skaven focus on the adventure book um, and the adventure, of course. So that brings us to the Horned Rat Companion. This one is 126 pages, cover to cover, and again, a lot of Skaven related stuff in here. Um, history of Skaven. Information about multitudinous clans. There's an armory. Information about Skaven magic. Skaven uh, bestiary, which is really neat. There's a detailed background in here about a Skaven assassin, which is pretty cool. Um, a lot of great art. In fact, this one, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm not an expert on it. I know, Lance, I could like describe a piece of art. You'll tell me the book and the page it's on. But this book has a ton of Skaven artwork. Oh, I mean, yeah. a ton of it. The different clans, each I think each one or pretty pretty close to each one has their own uh, piece of art on there. Yeah, the armory yep. talks about the blades, heavy weapons, uh, the magic. Of course, there's quite a bit in here. I want to say it's like six or eight pages, maybe, of just Skaven magic, bestiary. Uh, not super huge. It's only got a you know a couple pages to it, but there's some good stuff in there. The Yellow Fang is the cult that we get in this one. Um, like in Power by on the Throne, we don't get a career in this one there's a guide to the brass keep uh a whole section about npcs to use we did get this is the book where we got the dwarf Ironbreaker. yeah uh, which as noah's one obviously you guys are excited about lance you're a dwarven man through and through yeah we and we just did an episode about the Ironbreaker as a career episode we uh we talk about it and the grow meal rules which are in here too mm-hmm. um yeah so it's good stuff yeah, uh, and then this one ends with three short adventures. So a little help from my in parentheses new friends: Horror in the Darkness and Vengeance of the Grave Lord Part Three. This is Return of the Grave Lord. So that is one thing that's kind of neat. There are this like three part mini adventure essentially that's not you know that you you could just run that if you wanted to as well. So cool. So I wanted to yeah. say real quick. I wanted to say one thing before we we move on from this. So when we're talking about Skaven magic, I wanted to I wanted to point out like I actually went and looked into this. This book has thirty eight spells Ooh. for Skaven magic. It includes petty magic for Skaven. It includes arcane stealth, arcane Skaven, arcane ruin, and arcane plague. Like it literally includes multiple arcane lores each with their own feel um, based on, you know, the different types of like one, like the, you could say ones for the clan of like Skyre or Skyrie or however you say it, um, you know, a clan pestilence and things like that. They, they all have these, but I mean, when we say there's spells in here, I mean, we're talking a lot of spells. 
Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I can't imagine that they'll have many more spells. The only other thing I would say is the the Dev Diaries are something that if you got the Collector's Edition, they were included these sometimes included material that was cut that couldn't make it into the final cut. And I, there's a couple more Skaven spells in the Dev Diary. So hmm. it's just really cool stuff. And now we have the Empire in Runes adventure book. Uh, so, of course, this was a revision, kind of a replacement of the original Empire in Flames. Uh, the book is a whopping 200 pages. And, uh, of course, we're not going to do any talk about the adventure itself. But uh, there is a dwarf derangeable rules within it, <laughs> which uh, is awesome. <laughs> so so cool. Getting right into the companion, this one's uh, 118 pages. Uh, it has a place of the Shining Rock. It's a location. As a, a GM guide, kind of to show Altdorf and chaos due to the events, you know, that are taking place uh, to help the GM, you know, through the, this whole process. You know, I can't even imagine the load of a GM going through this whole Ugh. campaign. Oh, my goodness. It's giving me it's a headache. Yeah. <laughs> um, we have information for the Mad Crawl Clam. It's a Night Goblin Clan information kind of uh, section. Imperial Ostlander's Regiment Guide. And pretty much this 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 book has a lot. Uh, of, of course, it's going to be a different companion because it's the ending of this camp this uh-huh. camp, this campaign. So uh, it's going to have like information from like the Nordland information um, and in this impact, you know, in Nordland uh, through these events. There's alternate empires, you know, a lot of what ifs uh-huh. about you know steps that you have taken and what could have played you know an impact in this and what led to this and what if you know impact on the whole of the empire so definitely it's, it's interesting that you can play this campaign multiple times you can use a grognars and you can have a different ending of course as the changeling profile stat block and tips on how to use it which is the second now, profile <laughs> they yeah, have for I, this. I, yeah i was about to say yep. they they did that twice yeah it's different um, though and it, I don't, it's just depending on the current situation. So, but it's there. Um, there <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's ominous threats section. Uh, mini beastry of monsters design uh, pretty much to show us how powerful and how dangerous the Warhammer world is with creatures. I remember um, this is one where Matt called me and said, Lance, did you see, I think it was a necrotech or something like oh, that. There, it's like, a hundred and four wounds or something crazy right. and ridiculous, yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're all group wiping Oh yeah. If you really want to use it that way. <laughs> um there's playable characters that they list, of course, like in all the companions uh to use in the Empire in Runes. For the ending adventures, um they have the bigger they are, uh the Siege of Diestorf and Vengeance of the Grave Lord Part Four. Triumph of the Grave Lord. So that's 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 I think the first mini adventure I've seen it be four parts. Yeah, it's 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 designed to be an adventure that you kind of do side quests along the main adventure. So it like takes time to get resolved. It's an it's an interesting concept, but there's nothing saying that if you had all those PDFs or, or books, you couldn't just run Vengeance of the Gravelord one through four right, together, right? So. And that wraps up the campaign books. So, so guys, old worlders, 
we've talked about all this stuff. We spent a long time talking about all the stuff that's in these books. We wanted to give you an idea what's in there. And we did it very high level. I know we didn't talk. There's a ton of little details and stuff in there that you can check out. And it's good stuff. But the reality is, is a lot of people that aren't as intense into this as we are that comb through these books with a fine tooth comb looking for little bits and rules and what we can and can't use. So it might be really hard to know what should I buy out of these books. And so we want to talk to you about like what you should buy based on our thoughts and opinions and what the kind of like, depending on what you're going to use, we don't recommend buy, don't buy all 10 books for every person. It doesn't make sense. Depending on what you're going to do, we have some recommendations for you. So we're going to break this down just in a couple different categories here. We're going to talk about you know, GMs who are running the enemy within, players that are playing in the enemy within, and then, of course, we're going to talk about GMs in general, maybe not necessarily running the enemy within, and then players in general, maybe, again, not necessarily playing the campaign, the enemy within. And for you, for those groups of people, what would be best to buy? So let's start with the first one. GMs running the enemy within. Gentlemen, I think you would agree with me. And so I know with the show notes here, I basically put my opinion on all of this. So I want, I want to be clear here. So, but I mean, here's my opinion. If you're a GM and you're running the enemy within and you're really going to run it beginning to end, you should buy all 10 books. I mean, would you guys agree with me? Yes, absolutely. I Yeah, I, mean, I think obviously if you're running it, you have to buy all of the adventure books. That's That just yeah. goes without saying. It really depends, right? If you if you really want to get the most out of it, and I mean like the absolute most, uh, you'd get all of it. So you'd have those extra little mini adventures and side quests and things that are going to expand upon uh, what you're already doing and what you already know. But do I think that it's all completely necessary? I don't. I don't think I would go that far. It really. I think the main thing is if the adventure books are a must. If you have the extra money. And if you, you know, really want to make this as grand and as epic as can be, then the companion books are going to be a no-brainer. As a, as a GM, realistically, all of it is going to be what you're going to want to do. But, you know. That, that's a good point. You're right. If I'm running the enemy within and I'm on a budget, what do I absolutely must get? I, you're right. The five adventure books, and you don't need, we should make that clear, you don't need the companion books in order to run the enemy within. You only need the five books. The five adventure books. True. Yep. Now, they're uh, so helpful. They are. (laughs) They are helpful. But something else, I put this in the notes here too. If you really are going to be like, I want to get the best, biggest experience I can out of this, and 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 I got the money, or you know, me and my my game group are getting the money together, and we're we want to run it to the nth degree. Get all ten books, and then I would also say get the Altdorf and Middenheim city books as well. Because you spend a significant amount of time in those two cities, and those books will give you lots of great information on those locations to help you make those locations feel more real. Again, Absolutely. not necessary purchases, but I think very, very helpful. Yep. yep. I couldn't agree more. And the other thing, I put a comment in here too. If you don't want to buy all the companions and you want to run the enemy within, like if you said, Lance, I only want to buy one or two of the companions, which ones do I most need? Man, it's so subjective to what you're doing. <laughs> um, death on the Reich. Death on the Reich, right. If you're going to be on the river, but if your players skip the river, then Death on the Reich is less uh, helpful. I get you. 
right? That's true. But yeah, that's true. But then no. the enemy in shadows talks about the roads and road wardens and traveling, and I mean, you have to get from part A to point, you know, place A to place B. So it almost seems like a no brainer. But if I'm a GM, what am I? What's the book I'm going to tell you is going to help you with your brain power the most? It might be the Power Behind the Throne Companion because it it that is such a complicated adventure with so many NPCs. Anything that you can have that help you get that organized and get it straight in your head might be really helpful. Yeah. So it's yeah, tough. It, it's it's more about if you want the some of the extra rules are going to be right. like you said in the death of the Reich, especially uh, the extra rules that are in there are going to be huge for being on the river. But if you're not on the river, is it yeah. is it really needed? That that's uh, going to be a tough one as well. Or yeah. if your group just decided to pay for stuff for the travel. I mean, there's right. not much, you know, I mean, <laughs> right. So the other item I had on here is what about players that are playing the enemy within campaign? Well, what books do you need? I would say, and I, I'm kind of going to push this can down the road here. This is a very situational, depending on the player, what career they're playing, how your GM's going to run the game. And I'm going to kind of push this off because it's this where we talk about players in general. I think unless you guys disagree and want to talk more about it here, I think that's going to be way more informative of what you should get as a player than the fact that you're playing the enemy within. Absolutely. I would almost go as far as to say as a player, I don't think you should buy any of these books, at least not to start, because they're going to be so full of of spoilers for the story. And you know, if you're not tempted by stuff like that, maybe it wouldn't be too bad, but I think more than anything, the, like you said, if you're playing a specific career, if you're an herbalist, for example, there's so much great information Mm -hmm. about herbalists that I feel like that is, uh, well, that was the death on the right companion. That would be one that would be totally worth picking up if only for that specific reason. Right. Overall, I, I, Unless you're one of those specific careers, I'm not sure I would call any of these books must-buys. Not as a player specific to the Enemy Within campaign. Again, with that asterisk, which we'll talk about a little bit later here, about depending on what you're playing, something could be a key thing that you might want to consider. Right. So let's talk about the in general concept. Yeah. So I think the uh, you've probably just in listening to this episode know a handful of the books that we're going to say you should pick up. Uh and for the most part it's the companion books almost exclusively. Outside of the the Enemy in Shadows adventure book does have some great stuff in it specifically anything Bogenhofen related. If you like having those options for different location specific uh source material, Enemy in Shadows adventure hands down. Uh, but other than that, the Enemy in Shadows Companion, I think I would argue is probably the best overall companion uh, of of the books. And out of the 10, that would be the one that I personally would have on my shelf for the information that's in it, uh, followed closely by Death on the Reich. And I, I feel like just like what we did essentially was as soon as we had that book, we were like, okay, we need to find a way to get to the river. And if your players aren't super familiar with Warhammer, you start describing what the river entails, like what kind of horrible things you can find on there <laughs> and what being able to, to travel up and down and like, and the trading rules, for example, there's a lot of great stuff on there. Death on the right companion it, it, for me is a close second. The power behind the throne companion. I, I don't think is one that you would need unless mm-hmm. you are going to be running 
the enemy within because it doesn't have that much extra on top of uh, what's already in there. The Horned Rat is good if you're running Skaven. If not, I think you could probably pass on that one. Uh, and then the Enemy in Ruins Companion, another one that is kind of kind of take it or leave it in my opinion. But overall, the companions typically are going to be the ones where you're going to have you'll get the most out of those if you're not running uh, the enemy in shadow or enemy within. But specifically, enemy in shadows companion, death on the Reich, and the enemy in shadows adventure book. Those would be probably my top three as uh, GM. Yeah. So this is in general, you're not planning on running the enemy within. What might you want to buy, right? And that's that's kind of Matt's. I, I would. There's one other. So you said a lot of what I would say, Matt. But I, I would say there's one other thing to consider, too, is what if you're looking for adventures? Well, the first thing I'm going to tell you is if you're just looking for adventures, there's a lot less dollar wallet intensive solutions for you out there with PDFs and, you know, the one shots of the Reichland and Uber's Reich Adventures 1 and 2. Like, there's a lot of ways to get lots of good adventures where you don't have to necessarily buy a companion book that only has a couple adventures in it. But I went and did like a really quick count and i don't think this is a correct count but it's close between the five companion books there are 13 adventures or mini adventures between those books so think about that those are 13 adventures that are not the campaign itself so i have read comments from people that say i only run published adventures i don't like making my own stuff and i need more content well, if you need more adventures and you've run everything else out, here are some options for you to get more content. So Gravelord is four episodes, four adventures. There's a bunch of mini adventures in, in a couple of books, and they all have lots of adventures in these companion books. So it's something to think about. I don't know that it's worth the money. Like I said, your money might be better spent on like getting Uber's Rake Adventures 1 and 2, for example. Yeah. Or and Just the core set. The number of yeah. adventure hooks that are in those books. And even like Middenheim and Altdorf, I mean... They had yeah, no yeah. shortage of adventure hooks in there as well. And plus, you have the other shorter, just PDFs, you know, the old, old world adventures, Night of Blood, Uber's Reich Adventure, you know, yeah. the Mad Men of Gotham, Slaughter at Spittenfield, Something Heart of Knocking. Glass. Yeah, they're yeah, just a always, lot of good ones. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Spirit of Mon still. <laughs> we could go on. There's a lot of adventures <laughs> I mean, out there. There's a lot. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, I don't, uh, Steve, I, I don't know if you might disagree and think the death in the Reich is a better one, but I, I kind of agree with, with Matt here. If, if I had to say one book to buy as a GM, you have enough money for one of these books, it would be a companion and it would depend on what you're doing. If you're running something where you're spending a significant amount of time on the river, death on the Reich, without a question, I'm going to tell you, get that book. If you're not going to be spending a ton of time in the river, then I probably was going to say Empire and Shadows. It has so many general, the mutation rules, all the vehicle and mount and travel and travel endeavors, endeavors yeah. general information the, about oh. the Empire and how mutants are treated in the Empire. This is good stuff to give to your players to read if they don't know Warhammer very well, too. It, it, it seems like the, the chaos points that they might that they might achieve. Right, corruption points, right? <laughs> no, absolutely. Those extra arms. The the only Stay other the thing I would say, the Horned Rat Companion. If if you as a GM are running a campaign where the big bad guys are Skaven, or you're running a lot of Skaven enemies, that might be the number one to buy because it sure. has everything you need to run Skaven yeah. as an enemy. Oh. So my opinion is, for just an average player who's just doing adventures, definitely I, I agree the same with you too. I'd get Empires and Shadows because it has a general travel the world, 
most people aren't going to be on the water unless they want to. Um, but most of traveling is going to be, you know, through foothills, roads, mountains, traveling on the roads, horseback, wagons. Uh, so definitely Empire and Shadows Companion, I would be first on the right. It's too cool not to go on the river at some point. And, but it's true. You really don't need it unless you're going to be on the river. It does have some trading rules that, that could kind of be used. While trading on the road, you know, if you go between towns, mm-hmm. if yeah. you want to go that's that true. route. That's true. You... Uh, yeah. But that's really the only thing, unless you're going to be like a herbalist and you want all you, you know, the information on the herbs, um, definitely get the Death on the Reich as well. But right. so, yep, so those are my number one and two. And the other ones are more, you know, of course, niche. There's, there's one other thing I wanted to say, too. I just thought this was funny. I put this in there. Like, if you want a mini B-Serie with murder-your-party-level threats, um, the Empire and Ruin Companions is what you want. Um, and are, there are so many. I just scrolled back through those. My goodness. Yeah. Man. But I, I now say that if that's how you feel as a GM, the better purchase might be the Imperial Zoo. Because you, you, to be fair, I don't think the Imperial Zoo might have only one or two that meet this level, but there's only like four entries into that um, yeah. B-Serie in the, in the, but the, the Imperial Zoo has a lot more. Um, we're going to have a, an episode about the Imperial Zoo for yeah. sure coming up soon. But anyway, I just think that's funny. I mean, why do rocks die? Everyone, you know, rocks fall, everyone dies. Instead go, yeah, here's the necro. Ne- a ne- necroflex necroflex yeah like why yeah exactly if you're if your group is like you know what i think we're ready for a tpk lick your lips grab this book and <laughs> just destroy yep. them yep yep so okay so that's what gm should buy in general you're not running the enemy within so what if we're not running the enemy within i'm just a player i like you know what should, is there anything in here i should buy steve Almost literally, I think the same answers. <laughs> <laughs> um, definitely, if you're like a herbalist, at an example, or apothecary, Death on the Right does have the herbal um, listings. So, of course, that's going to mm-hmm. be a must for you. If you're doing anything on the river, want to be a cat captain, just want to do some training, or a huffer on the right, yeah, or a hover, yeah, or a boat, a a river woman, or a boatman. Like these are all, Um, like it might make sense for you to have this book to understand it. Yep, Uh, road warden. You know, you're gonna want to emperor shadows because you know vehicle amounts and the rules, uh, things along that line. Yeah, it just really depends on what you're playing. You know, what you could possibly get from the companions. Because after the Death on the Reich, it gets really niche on different things on the rest of the books. Because it's really a focus toward the adventure. Well, the first two books, uh, the companions are more worldly, where if you're just an average player, Mm -hmm. you're going to want to know this for your travels. And not to mention all, like, the little graphs, stats. Yeah. um, that, that, That you have. So, really... Really depends on what you want to do, but yeah. if you buy the first two companions, I'm sure that'll cover you in a great deal in some way. Yeah, for all of the player specific content that is not tied directly to the enemy within, you probably buying those first the the Empire and Shadows and the Death on the Right Companion is probably ninety percent of the yeah. material that you would find helpful in those two books. 
Um, yep, the other three. Do you well. Yeah. The, the one, like, the even the Ulrich, and, like, I had this down on a show note here. It's the Ulrich and career. Like, if you're a priest, what if I want those miracles, right? So are you going to spend the, what is it, 30 or $40 for this book to get five pages of information on Ulrich and cult and seven miracles? Maybe. Um, if you're really Depends into that you're career, because yeah. if I, if I had access to those miracles, yeah, I'd, I'd probably shell out the money for the book. Yeah, no, that's fair. Me too. But not everybody is me. Like some people like I'm, I'm in this career now, maybe I'll change sometime. Like, I don't know. It, may, it depends on your GM. If your GM is killing you every session. Yeah. <laughs> but well, I, Lance, I actually, I think I'll, I'd, I'd like for you to speak if you don't mind a little bit about the collector's edition. Because that's that's oh. one thing we haven't really touched on. That this series of books you could get as the normal standard edition, but they also had collector's editions that were yeah. extremely nice. They are, and I at this point, depending on when you're listening to this too, those are limited runs. Um, and so as they sell out from Cubicle Seven's site, they're becoming more and harder to find, and then price will obviously go up. Um, here's what I'll say about the collector's editions. They come in, uh, when you buy the collector's editions for them, you're buying the adventure book and the companion together. You can't buy them separate. And with those two books comes like a little envelope that includes all of the player handouts on cardstock in color. Really nice. And, um, the books all have like, uh, the cloth bookmarks that are like, you know, connected to the spine they're like thin little bookmarks so that you can yeah like a mark. ribbon yeah ribbon yes thank you that's the word i was looking for and and then of course these the page edges are like i you say gilded right but like depends on which book like the empire in, or the enemy in shadows has like the purple on the inside of the collector's oh. edition right Killer. where yeah where the there's different colors and I, uh, I'm getting my Death on the Reich out because I don't remember the colors off the top of my head. But the Death on the Reich has that it's red. And like Power Behind the Throne, I think, is green. And so they're different colors depending on the theme of the book. And then the covers are different. They're gilded with like tarot, tarot card versions of like this one has Verena on it. This is the Death on the Reich companion it has Verena on it, which is super cool. Um so uh, the inside contents of the books are literally no different. They're exactly the same. But you get those bonuses. They come in a slipcase that has the original artwork on the slipcase, too, so you can see it, and it's really nice. Um, so, the yes, the collector's editions are awesome. They're, they cost double the cost of what the normal books do. It was not cheap. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. Like, if you ask me, Lance, was it worth it? You got when you bought it, you got access to the dev diaries. And while that was interesting, I don't know, ended up being like 700 plus dollars. I'm not it. It is worth it to the people that can afford it and that they want that, that which is what a collector's edition is about. So, sure. yeah. yeah, but they're really nice and I, I have no issue with them. I uh, they're they're just I mean, they're a collector's edition, so. Does that answer <laughs> your question? Yeah. Yeah, no, it's just, yeah. it's, it's, I think worth noting that they are available. And if it's something that, you know, maybe you're just getting into it now, you know, if that's the case, I would say don't hesitate to start tracking these down because the longer you go, they're on the, are they numbered too? Or was it just the collector's core book that were numbered? No, the core book is numbered. These aren't. Okay. Yeah. The core book is numbered, but 
Yeah, the super, I mean, they have the Roman numeral of like one, two, three, four, five on them, so you can see what book in the campaign order it is, but sure. yeah. So let's do final thoughts. You know, why don't you kick us off here, Steve? What are your final thoughts on on the the enemy within and the legacy that, that we've just experienced? Uh, my final thought is it is I wouldn't say it's not overwhelming, but it's just the 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 pure fact that they did it's something so historic in like the role playing world of what they just did. And wrapped up. I mean, this was the pinnacle of what a role-playing campaign should be back in the day. And 30 years later, they came out with it again. Now, only you know, I would say it, it's it's hard to say the word improved upon it because there's always going to be people like, hey, the the original is the best. But but for what they did for it now to come back out with it in a fresh perspective, and not only that, but just the way that you can replay it in different ways different endings it was a huge feat they did it very very well um i i've looked at so many kind of gaming books and no really other gaming book has taken my breath away as the books that they've created for this um and and, you know that's all their books that they do but it's just that they've did this campaign very very well they did it justice I'm so glad that they brought Graham Davis back on board. Absolutely. Um, you, you know, it's that just icing the on the cake. Right. Sure. Yeah. It, just, it was, it was a legit deal that they did and they did it well. That's really well, well said Steve all around. I haven't spent as much time in the Warhammer world as you guys have, but I remember hearing all about this and hearing like, Oh, this is the one of the best, if not the best campaigns that's ever been written. And I was, and you can see that. I mean, there's a reason that it's stood the test of time. There's a reason that it was worthy of five new books and five new companions uh, to, to tell this story. So overall, I think it's, it's great. But at the same token, uh, and I mean this with the utmost respect to both Graham, to Cubicle 7, to Games Workshop, everybody that's had a hand in this over the years, part of me is glad that it's over. Only because this... Obviously, 10 full books, 10 collector's editions, that obviously took a lot of time and a lot of resources. And really, in the end, as we've talked, if you're not running a specific game or aren't uh, you know, a, a GM that, that could benefit from having extra rules, this isn't going to be something that's universally utilized. So the fact that now we're going to start seeing, you know, we just got the Imperial Zoo, Salzman up, up in arms, arms here. Those are the books that get me really excited about playing. So as much as I, I love The Enemy Within, I'm, I'm very excited looking ahead at what is going to come next from Cubicle 7. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I, uh, I would say, I would add that um, I think I, I did the tentative title for tonight's show as uh, The Enemy Within, A Legacy Fulfilled. Um, the Enemy Within has been, in one form or another, in every edition of Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay, and with good reason, as as Matt and Steve already stated. And I'm just, I'm excited that I got to, I'm glad that I got to be a part of this as it released. I'm glad I got to be excited when the Death on the Reich released and the Death on the Reich Companion finally got in our hands 
And, you know, when we finally got to see the horned rat and, and look at what, what, this is what Graham's original vision was for the enemy within and, you know, and, and the folks that worked on it and the enemy or the uh, empire in ruins and how things finish up. And it's just, it's, it's awesome to be part of that. And, and as you guys both said too, right. I mean, can you ever truly replace is anyone ever going to truly replace the original Star Wars in our minds? No, right? They could come close, but they're never going to be that awesome. And maybe the same is true of The Enemy Within. It, it was came out with the right authors and the, the right system at the right time. Um, but this is a worthy, in my opinion, my limited opinion, and I know there are a lot of people out there that have way more experience with The Enemy Within than I do, um, being that I haven't even played through. I want to be upfront about that. I've read all this, but I haven't played through it yet, and it's it's a it's a bucket list item for me, like Steve said. But as a GM, running pre-published content isn't always my favorite thing to do. Um, I like to be a little more creative with it, so it's hard. Um, and The Enemy Within is no small commitment. I mean... Mm. <laughs> You're talking hours and hours and hours of play, and you're looking like how many players and people do you need to get down for a weekly session for yeah. how, how many, many sessions? How many months, if not years, honestly. Oh, for like, think, years. Thinking about you know, how often, Lance, when we did Star Wars years ago, you were running us through, uh, was it Beyond the Rim? It yeah, was, uh, yep, it was Beyond the Rim, uh, pre-published adventure. I don't even think yeah, we got through it. Adventure. Yeah. Oh, we didn't. I want to say we had like, I don't know, a dozen sessions or so, and we still were only like maybe a quarter of the way through the book. Yeah. So that I was mean, my part of part of that was my inexperience as a GM, honestly. But well, but I, it still I, well, stands. Yeah. I think we, we could talk about that all night. I think it was that was our first experience with a, a long term campaign of any kind. So it was new for all of us. But uh, even then, like. I mean, that was one book that was approximately the size of one of the Enemy Within books. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you if you want to run and have an adventure that you can run and then continue running for the next heck couple years, depending this this is it. You've you've got it right here in the Enemy Within. Yep. Tested, tried and true. And I think and I think you both would agree with me where we can honestly say. That we we salute what this is. We think Cubicle Seven did a good thing here, without it, question. It is yes. it is built. It is nice. It is epic. I mean, it's you can't get much more epic than five full adventure books and five books full of supporting stuff for that for that campaign. Um, yeah, just to tell one story. <laughs> yeah, to tell one story. Exactly. Right? <laughs> and it's also good. It's not yeah. like all words. It's like you got you got the artwork. There, there's just so much to mm -hmm. it. It's, it's so 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 great so so cubicle seven graham davis padre murphy dominic mcdowell there's a hundred people that worked on this i can't list all of you um but i will say to all of you thank you for what you gave us here in this director's cut of the enemy within and fourth edition in general we salute you and we can't wait to see what comes out next i do echo some of matt's thoughts uh, it's nice to get away from this format because I feel like a lot of resources were tied up in one campaign for a long time. And now we get a lot more variety of stuff. And I'm excited about that. But what you did was awesome. And we salute you. Yep. 100%. So, guys, that's it for our show tonight. 
thanks for joining us. I hope you guys found that this over review, this, this salute to the legacy is, is enduring as we did. And I hope if you're looking for buying advice and what to get and what not to get, I, I hope you found this helpful too. I know we've talked a long time about these books, but let's be honest, there was a lot of content there. So in our next episode, uh, we are stoked about the GM's guide on how to kill your players. I'm sorry. I mean, the Imperial Zoo. And the that book is super exciting. I, I've really enjoyed it. I, I'm I, I cannot wait. Uh, we definitely are going to be talking about it soon, and uh, I cannot wait. Uh, so be on the lookout for that. I'm so I want to talk about it so bad. Be on the lookout. And plus, I mean, what other great things Matt just went through? All I'm not going to say it again, but great uh, releases coming down the line, including Winds of Magic. Night. Oh yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> There is they're a all, lot they're to be all good. But... Uh, it's it's a good time to be a fan. That's for sure. I mean, it sure is. I mean, up in arms had my heart when it said uh, blowing up vehicles and buildings. <laughs> <laughs> uh, good stuff. Uh, so intrepid listeners, keep in touch. Let us know your questions, feedback, and even show topic suggestions. Uh, you can contact us multiple ways by checking out our website at www.oldworldpodcast.com, Twitter at Old World Podcast, and Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Old World Podcast. And there is one more thing I do want to mention. Um, we've never asked this uh, yet, but if anyone listens to this that has actually played the campaign with your group, it would be wonderful if we could hear uh, when you played it, what year, how big your group was, what your group was, you know, who was in your group, um, how you guys survived, how you guys won. It'd be nice to have, you know, like a paragraph or two, you know, just to kind of get some feedback on past uh, victorious par- parties if you happen to want to share your, your stories. I love that you just said... Uh... We want to know how you survived. I want to know how you died. Like, <laughs> you know, who died and who survived? Yeah, or just yeah. Send us like what? What was your favorite moment of this? If as in your playthrough of it, you know, obviously there's going to be plenty of times that are going to stand out, but uh, we'd love to hear hear some feedback uh, and hear some fun stories that uh, you guys have. And if they're they uh, are good enough, or are they if they're entertaining enough and they are not too spoilery, they'll definitely be something we feature on the show. Yeah, and uh, go ahead and send those to uh, questions at oldworldpodcast.com. Or, I mean, you can always send them to us individually, uh, Lance, Steve, or Matt at oldworldpodcast.com. And include the enemy within in the subject line. And, uh, hey, while you're checking us out on the various social interwebs as well and sending us that email, uh, be sure to hop on over to our Patreon page and support us. If you like what we're doing and want to help out, become a patron. Um, for an only a uh, couple dollars a month, you can help support the show, uh, get us some bugmans, and uh, you know you can get some cool rewards too. Um, check that out at patreon.com slash oldworldpodcast. Also, let us know what you think. Visit iTunes or your preferred podcast service and rate us. Every review helps us reach even more Warhammer fans. And this is Lance saying good night, and may all of your campaigns be as epic as the enemy within. This is Steve saying goodnight and just happy gaming. May Sigmar bless your party. May we all defeat our own enemy within. And this is Matt. Huge thank you to Graham Davis, friend of the show. You have given us something that uh, was will literally stand the test of time for 
many, many years, decades to come. Hats off, my friend. Oh, mm-hmm. This podcast and related website are completely unofficial and are not endorsed by Games Workshop Limited or Cubicle 7 Entertainment. It is intended for educational and informational purposes only. GW Games Workshop, Warhammer, Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay, and all associated logos, illustrations, images, names, creatures, races, vehicles, locations, weapons, characters, and the distinctive likenesses thereof are registered trademarks of Games Workshop Limited, Cubicle 7 Entertainment, or their respective trademark or copyright holders. All original content of this podcast, including any audio or video information, is the intellectual property of the Old World Podcast and Crimson Tower Studios, LLC. 